What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Thank you for joining us here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. I am Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results. Hey, Mimi, how's Good it going? Good morning. Very happy to have you here. We're going to do some cool stuff today and talk about what's going on out there in the market. Yes. And I just want everybody to have a visual of what I'm looking at, this vision of loveliness here. Who? what? Well, Miss Shannon, she's Oh, I thought all, you were looking at the hand sanitizer. Yeah, well, that <laughs> made me really happy to see. But um, she's all bright and cheery oh, yes. with a, a orange dress yeah. and a red sweater <laughs> and a red headband I'm and looking very, festive. I'm very spring festa, festival today. That is what I'm doing. So would you look lovely as well. Thank you very much for joining us today. I appreciate it. I'm just going to give everybody a visual of how I look. What? You have on that lovely tunic and well, that is a, you have red I on have as well. I have red on too. But it's just a cooler yes. red. Mine is a White, bright, orangish red. You have that blue red. Going I'm gonna on. go back and look at my calendar and see when the last time Ooh. I had my hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> but your hair looks great. I'm thinking. Well, I'm just gonna give everybody a visual. So I've got the '90s, you know, clip your bangs thing you got your, going oh, on. Oh, yeah. You mean your clear clip yeah. up in your head? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. We have Phil Olson mm-hmm. coming soon to yep. the line. Yes, and, Phil from Supreme Lending will be with us very soon. Yep, and we're gonna be talking a little bit about. What he's got for a market update with regard to the mortgage industry. Right. And we're also going to revisit the, t- the topic of forbearance mm-hmm. and what that looks like um, if you are, if you've lost your job and you're struggling to make ends meet and making payments on your, your mortgage. What that's, what he's seeing in, on his side in the mortgage world. And then we're going to be talking um, a little bit more about what you can be doing while you're shelter in place. To get your house ready, if you're thinking maybe in the next two to three years, now is a really big opportune time to uh, go through some basics that you can actually go through and do while you've got the time to do it. Because a lot of times what we hear is people say, I just don't have time to do all of that. Right. And all of us have a lot more time than we ever did. <laughs> and then um, in the last segment, we're going to be talking about our recipe of the week. And I'm excited to share this because this has been in my recipe box since I lived in Louisville, Kentucky. And I think I got this recipe. I'm going to I'm going to date it to maybe like 1989. Wonderful. So it's been sitting there a little italian thing well as you mentioned uh we always appreciate when our friend phil olson from supreme lending is with us hey phil how's it going over there good morning guys so happy phil, sunday to you phil let's get a couple of uh things out of the way first so let's start with your nmls numbers please nmls 238103 company nmls And one thing we uh, need to remind everybody, I don't think we mentioned this last show, is that Phil has been kind enough to, he has a show special. So for everyone who calls into the Red Hot Real Estate Show during the uh, 2020 calendar year, Phil is donating $25 to the American Cancer Society. Right, Phil? You got it. Yes. Very, very, very dear to my heart. I lost a very, very close loved one here over six months ago. And, uh, 
I just want to uh, help the American Cancer Society. We appreciate you doing that. And so we want to let everybody know a little bit from the Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors. We have a weekly market activity report, and we want everybody to, to stay current with what's actually happening out there. We're getting a lot of questions about whether there's activity going on in the market, and I can tell everyone listening that there absolutely is. Absolutely is. We are still seeing multiple offers on properties. We're still seeing a lot of activity, especially um, in some of the more popular areas, which, of course, we can't share. But for the week ending April 11th, and that's our most recent report, the new listings actually decreased 30.4% to 12.10. So only 1,200 new listings came that week. So if you compare that to the same week in 2019, that was 1,739 listings. So you can see just year over year that we're, we're substantially down. And so it is down 30%. Our pending sales decreased also down to 21%, uh, only at 1,000 pending sales for the week of April 11th. And our inventory continues to go down 11.3%. And we have right now month supply of inventory on the market, 1.8%, which is down 10%. Um, so our median sales price is staying super strong in the area. We're right at 297000 which is up from last year for okay. sure. Um, so there's a lot of activity. We're still seeing a very strong seller's market because inventory is so low. And sellers are really kind of trenching down and they're mm-hmm. staying committed to the price and pricing it strongly. And so, Phil, what are you seeing in the mortgage market right now? Uh, in the mortgage market, um, I'm seeing still quite a lot of volatility, but rates rates are very low still in the uh, high twos to the threes. The stock market did rebound, has rebounded probably around 4,000 points from its low, uh, but the bond market has, the bond market curve has still been going up and staying fairly stable. So rates have stayed stable here basically over about the last, Oh, I'd say about two weeks. As far as what I'm seeing in the banking world, mortgage world, we're seeing still a lot of craziness uh, due to COVID-19, especially with uh, this last week's jobs report putting us at 26.2 million people unemployed at this time. Uh, Unfortunately, I think we're going to probably cap out somewhere between 32 to 36 million people when this all gets said and done. That being said, what's what's the ramifications to that? Right now, uh, many large banks and lenders across the United States have literally put the brakes on towards doing new mortgages. One of the largest banks in the United States will not do mortgages at this time for anybody other than their current customers. Um, why is that? Well, right now, every big bank out there and every large mortgage company is carrying anywhere between two to three million people in forbearance. Um, last month alone, over 30% of all renters and all mortgage uh, people that have home loans did not make their mortgage payments, so they went into forbearance. Um, so right now, we're, we're seeing restrictions as far as product reductions and increasing guidelines. But the good thing to know with Supreme Lending is that we're a direct lender to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae. And we'll get into that a little bit later in the show 
why that's a positive for the consumer. Phil, those, um, are, you those able, are some of the things. Go ahead. Are you able to say who that big uh, bank lending institution is that's no longer lending? I would tell you, yes, I can. And this is what I've heard and this is what I've read. I haven't specifically spoken with anybody, but I heard through the rumor mill that J.P. Morgan Chase right now is not doing any mortgages. And so J.P. Morgan Chase is a big, big lender ordinarily, correct? They're in the top three. You would put Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, and J.P. Morgan probably in the top three banks out there as far as the lending world. And normally what we're seeing is as one bank implements something, other banks follow in line, and then mortgage companies follow in line, and it just comes down to risk. Um, banks don't want to take on risk right now of consumers potentially losing their jobs or having their hours cut because we're seeing a lot of that out there uh, where employers are reducing consumers' hours, they're cutting their pay, or they're just outright laying them off. So um, that's changing your world a little bit, correct, Phil? So where you would nor- maybe ordinarily have gone to shop for products for some of our buyers, you're having to go elsewhere now. Right now, I'm, I'm going to the most safest place, and that is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae to directly to the federal government because right now I don't have overlays on those specific products. Um, I'm having to, over the last oh, two weeks, I've had to end up restructuring a lot of deals. Um, examples are taking a, borrower off, taking a borrower off a loan, putting a relative on a loan, uh, based on the fact that their hours were reduced. Um, having to maybe pay off additional debts due to uh, lender restrictions on debt-to-income ratios. Or I'm just having to be real creative. And, and the good news is I've been doing this 20 years, and I've got a very creative mind. So normally I can look at a deal and fix it and not have to tell the consumer that their, their loan is dead in the water. Well, Phil, when we come back from the, this next break, I think what we want to talk about is uh, solutions for folks that find themselves newly unemployed or furloughed. And I also want to talk about a chart that I have about the total home equity that in the last down market we had versus today. Great. We'll also take your calls. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results. Also on the line from Supreme, Supreme Lending, Mr. Phil Olson as well. Hey, Phil. Hey there. Okay. So when we, we finished up the last segment, we were just jumping into how you're kind of uh, re, you're, you're using the puzzling skill set that you always tell us that you have. You're the puzzle solver. And so you've had to do a lot of puzzle solving as of late, correct? Correct. It's, uh, it's probably going to be never ending for me for the next couple months. Yeah. Sorry to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not fun, but the good news is, is, is normally I can think of a way of restructuring a deal maybe to a different program or, to restructure by using different assets, different people, 
uh, to keep a deal together. Yeah. And so we know that when people get laid off, because I know this firsthand, um, in one of the recessions of the 90s, um, I had an offer placed on a duplex. That was one of my life goals is to buy a house as a single woman. And um, I had an offer on that and I got laid off. And so therefore, that house clearly did not close and I didn't hit that goal. But um, we know that there are people who have transactions in process right now and they're getting furloughed or their their hours are, are being reduced. Phil, what, if anything, can be done for these people? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. One deal that I'm restructuring right now, and this is a Minnesota housing conventional deal with down payment assistance of $10,000. I was uh, finally given the word on Thursday of this last week that my primary borrower's uh, income got reduced by one day per week for a total of an eight-hour reduction. And because the employer will not provide us a letter specifically stating that no further furloughs or layoffs will continue, I'm having to remove that borrower. The father is now going to go on to this loan as what's called a non-occupant co-borrower. I'm going to use the non-occupant co-borrower's income assets credit to supplement my borrower's income. So now it's going to be my borrower's spouse and the borrower's spouse's father that will be on the loan. The loan works, and then we're going to move forward. Unfortunately, we're going to have to gather all the documentation on the father. But the good news is, based on paper right now, credit application, the deal's going to work. Uh, More than likely, we'll probably end up having to push this closing out, though, five to ten days, because I literally only have three weeks left before we close, so we're going to have to push that out. That's where the COVID-19 addendum that comes in play in the purchase agreement is basically keeping this deal together. Phil, we have a caller on the line, and so let's uh, let's take that call and see what the question is. Right. Sydney, thank you very much for calling into the Red Hot Real Estate Show. What's your question for Mimi and Phil? Sydney, thanks for calling. What's your question, please? I think we lost Sydney. <laughs> We'll have our oh, producer go ahead. And, we'll have our, our our producer go ahead and check in with Sydney, and we'll get her back on, get them back on as soon as we can. Yeah. So, Phil, while we're waiting to talk with Sydney, let's talk a little bit about the forbearance. Um, and so, a lot of folks, I don't feel really understand what forbearance could possibly do. What are you seeing in the mortgage side of the business about forbearance? Well. There's really three types of forbearances, and I'd like to really kind of talk about what what the CARES Act is. And the CARES Act allows a consumer to take advantage of a missing their mortgage payment for up to at least six months and possibly up to 12 months. Now, this looks really different, though, depending on who the servicer is. Now, under the CARES Act, if, if your loan is owned by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginnie Mae, their program is literally taking your mortgage payment and putting it onto the back end of your mortgage. 
So let's say hypothetical, you just bought a home and you've been in the home for two years, two months. That means you've got 358 months left to pay on the mortgage. If you did a forbearance, you would then end up having 368 payments left to make because they're literally going to take your payment and put it on the back end of the loan. Now, are there some drawbacks to this? I, I would caution all the consumers out there before they go into a forbearance that they understand the terms of the forbearance. Um, if your loan is not owned by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginny Mae, your forbearance could end up being a three-month, a six-month repayment program. What does that mean? One, it could be what's called a balloon loan. Okay. So if if you have a balloon loan, and let's say hypothetically your mortgage payment's 2000 a month, and you go into forbearance for six months, and you don't make the payment for six months, if your servicer is not, it's not owned by Fannie, Freddie, or Ginny, you could literally be required to write a check for 12 months, $12,000 here six months from now, Ouch. which would which would be an extreme burden on the consumer. Phil. Now, now the other type of program that I'm hearing is I'm hearing about what's called a repayment, where you go into forbearance for three, six months, or whatever the, whatever the term of that servicer allows, and then they're setting up a payment arrangement. So how would that look like? Let's say the payment arrangement's $200 a month. Your mortgage payment was $2,000 a month. And when your loan comes out of the forbearance period, your new mortgage payment would be $2,200. So it, it's really, really important, you, you know, some things to do that the consumers need to do right away. One, research. Research everything online, what you can. Two, call the servicer. Three, understand the obligation and for those out there that if they wanted to call me and say phil this is what they're saying i would be glad to give you my two cents worth and tell you what that all sounds like okay speaking of calls let's see if we can get these people on the line we'll come back to that in a second so first we're going to start with sydney sydney you had a question on a bank foreclosed home sydney are you with us Yes, I am. Okay, Sydney, what's your question for Phil and Mimi, please? Um, oh, my question? Yes, please. Oh, okay. Um, I'm uh, in a very safe profession right now. I'm um, in um, the medical area. And um, I've been watching a house that I'm interested in. It's a bank for closed home. And Zillow, they've been in the news, but um, Zillow is the... Uh, bank foreclosed company. I'm not sure how they work. But my question is, um, would this be uh, maybe, I, I know this isn't probably an, a good thing to say, but would this be an opportune time to maybe purchase the house as a all-cash buyer and perhaps get a better price? That's a great um, question, it a, Sydney. It's a bank. It's a, It's already a foreclosed home, so it's not, you know, kicking anybody out or on the devastation of, of, of somebody currently. So uh, I, I guess I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, well, my thoughts are, uh, 
as much as I hate to say it, you can't really truly rely on the information you see on Zillow. Um, sometimes there will be properties that will be on that site, and those properties will ha- already have offers, or they could actually be years old. So the first thing that I would suggest is that we look at that and find out if that property truly is available and what the process is going to be. Because back in the day when we were in that down market of 2008 and things were short sales and foreclosures, banks have their own specific guidelines about what what paperwork would need to be filled out and uh, how you would go about it. So. Uh, Sydney, if you'd like to, you know, leave your information, we can we can talk about that further. And Phil, do you have anything? Yeah, I I would also say, Sydney, be careful of the price that's listed. That oh yeah, no, I know what the house sold. I know what the bank purchased the house for. Perfect. Okay. And so, and I know what to know. I would still want to have a CMA done, and and Mimi can do that for you to determine the true value of the home and where okay. would you be buying this property as a primary residence or as a as a flip what do you yeah. plan on doing with the home if you bought it um well i'd like to resell it yes a flip okay well perfect sydney well when we come back from the break we'll continue talking about this and miss shannon right and we'll also take your calls we have some other people on hold and we'd love to get to all of them and also make that donation to the american cancer society you can call us at 651-641-1071 we'll be right back on the red hot real estate show welcome back to the red hot real estate show here on my talk 1071 and streaming on my talk 1071.com real quick want to remind everybody they should go to our red hot real estate show page on my talk 1071 it has great resources that Mimi curates for us every episode. We do. We have we have videos. We have links. We encourage you to shop for your properties at viewgreaterminneapolishomes.com. That link is on there as well. And if you're going through things, okay, so we're hearing now. I know Phil takes a lot of phone calls. So do we. Mm-hmm. Um, we're knowing that the stress is is paramount on families right now, and that you're not used to looking at each other and and you know having a twenty four seven experience. If you just need to talk, call us. Call us because we understand what you're going through and and you're not alone. Right. So uh, let's continue talking with our our listeners. So we'll start back with Sydney. Sydney, we had uh, started exploring the process of you wanting to buy that bank foreclosed home. Sydney, are you still with us? I am, yes. Okay. So Phil is also with us from Supreme Lending and we were asking some follow-up questions. Are you ready, Phil? Uh, Sure. Okay. Am I... My question was, so you're wanting to flip this, so you're going to be an investor. Uh, Just know as an investment property, you're going to be putting down a minimum of 20%. You definitely would rather do 25% because your interest rates and your closing costs are far less at a 25% down model. And Sydney, were you planning on financing or purchasing with cash? Cash. Okay. Well, cash is king. We love cash. Um, yeah. So we'll continue to, to talk with you throughout the week, Sydney, if that's okay, and okay. see if we can uh, do a little homework for you about that property. Okay. All right. We'll make sure that our producer has your information. Also on the line right now for Phil and Mimi, Aaron, you have a question regarding a loan? Hi, Le- hi, Aaron. Thanks for being part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. You can go ahead with your question. So it's a lot. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so me and my wife, we just started looking for a home. I'm a veteran, so I was able to use a VA loan. We started the process about uh, two months ago, and we found a home, and we are literally a week out from closing. Well, 
we were scheduled to close on Tuesday, and then my bank comes back and says because Savannah's still employed, but she is not, her business is closed, then I no longer qualify for the loan. So we restructured. Um, I I floated down to a lower rate, and we are paying a down payment where we weren't paying a down payment before um, with the VA loan. So we're restructuring, but it does contingent upon the fact that we pay down all our bills. But if the credit bureau comes back and says, you, you know, you got this at a $5 balance, then that means you're paying $25 a month. That means we can't give you the loan. A lot of this is turning into a headache. So I'm wondering... If things don't work out, would it be wiser to go to a conventional loan, seeing as we are already paying a down payment with this one um, going forward? And would it go faster? That's the my wife is also six months pregnant, so I want oh, to get yeah. the house as soon as possible. Aaron, congratulations on your future yes. new person in the house. That is a lot going on. You're correct. And Phil, how would you how would you advise Aaron? Well. I actually, my call dumped and I had to call back, so I missed part of the ah. question. But, but it sounds to me like the lender you're working with, sir, is now requiring you to put money down on the VA loan. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, and, and they're say, stating that you have to do that to bring your debt-to-income ratios below a specific level. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Are they a Ginny Mae direct lender? If they're not a Ginny Mae direct lender, that I would tell you is probably what's called an overlay because right now uh, it is VA guidelines. They're still allowing up to 57% debt to income ratios. May I, may I ask, is it a bank you're working with or is it a mortgage company? Which one it's is a, it? It's a mortgage company, Veterans United. You're working with Veterans United, okay, mm -hmm. and did your hours get cut or something that caused your debt-to-income ratios, or is it an overlay? My, my, my wife's hours got cut. Um, You're, okay. And, and I, work, I work commission, and because yep. I have been doing it for a full two years, they are only considering my hourly rate, which is detrimental yep. because I... I do make a lot more in commission. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, that's the problem. You, if you're a commission employee, you you cannot can't count that income until you've been doing it for two years. As far as your question, as far as going to a conventional loan product, all right. Are you a disabled veteran? Uh, yes, I am thirty percent. Okay. So the reason you would want to go with the VA home loan is because the VA it is. Uh, funding fee is completely waived. You don't have mortgage insurance. And right. if you drifted over to a conventional home loan product, all right, you would end up having to pay mortgage insurance. How much uh, of a down pay how much of a down payment are they having you make? Um so it's fifteen grand on a two hundred and fifty dollar thousand dollar home. Okay, so you're putting you're putting between five and ten percent down Okay. All right. I would, I would tell you based on everything you're telling me, sir, it sounds, uh, like, sorry to say you're in a bad situation, but the mortgage lender is doing what they can to fix it. And okay. it sounds to me like, like you're just going to have to hang in there. Okay. No, that's, that's encouraging. I, I've been toying with the idea, so I really appreciate that. Me and my wife are stressed out. So. Right. Understandable. It's stressful times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Well, thank Just you so much. There. Just yeah. hang in there, sir. All right. Thanks, guys. Best of luck to you, Aaron. Yeah, that was a great call. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's happening. You know, people are, are right in the middle of a transaction and things mm-hmm. are shifting. So, yeah. um, Phil, let's talk a little bit more. So thank you, Aaron. And if you need any additional information, we'll make sure that our producer, Sonny, has all of your information and we can follow up with you. Okay, thank you. Thanks Goodbye, a lot. guys. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that I wanted to talk with our listeners about is that one of the differences between the down market of 2008 versus today is that consumers have so much more total home equity. Right. Uh, back in 2007, um, well, actually, the three years, 2005, six, and seven, the total amount of equity that was cashed out was $824 billion. And for the years 2017 through 19, the equity that homeowners are, are cashed out was only $232 billion. So there is a huge percentage of homeowners right now that have equity in their homes. Right. And so, Phil, thanks a lot for calling back. We appreciate you helping Aaron out there. That's a very difficult situation that Aaron was dealing with. Are you getting those kind of scenarios often over there at Supreme Lending? What was the question again, Ms. Shannon? Uh, we were talking about how complex the scenario was for our last caller, Aaron. And so I wondered, are you getting a lot of those very complex scenarios right now over at Supreme Lending? Uh, probably I'm getting taken anywhere between five to ten calls a day just like that consumer right. uh, based on different products. Yes. Right. So when we are talking about when, you know, when we talked about those direct lenders, when you were talking about Fannie Mae and Freddie and those type of things, can we explain again, how would I even know if that's the scenario that I'm in? Uh, you probably wouldn't know unless you're talking to the, the, the mortgage company, uh, there's only 90 lenders in the United States that are with what are considered a golden eagle mm-hmm. on Fannie, Freddie, and Ginny Mae, and that's basically your cream of the crop. Uh, now, understand the big banks of the world, they're direct lenders as well, but they put their own overlays over the top, so. meaning they have other restrictions or other guidelines, whereas I am a direct lender to them, and I go strictly by those specific guidelines and those specific guidelines have not been changed in quite some time. So I'm having the ability to do loans where other lenders would put more restrictions on a consumer and either deny that consumer or make it extremely difficult to even get the loan done. Um, Believe it or not, there's actually lenders out there right now that don't even want to do home loans due to risk. Mm-hmm. And when you say there are lenders out there, lenders like uh, similar companies, are you are you talking about like the J.P. Morgans of the world? I'm talking the Wells Fargo's, the U.S. banks, the Associated banks, the credit unions, you name it. There's more guidelines changing on a daily basis. Uh, they're reducing their risk because right now um, their port their portfolios are in jeopardy based on the fact that they have so many consumers in forbearance and not making and not making their mortgage payments um believe it or not the banks they still have to pay the end investor and the end investor would be you know bonds or the stock market or whatever the case may be so it, it really has to has to do with what's called a cash liquidity issue they don't have enough cash to pay out the end investor 
So they're reducing and restricting their specific market so they can basically weather the storm that we're going through right now. So, Phil, let's talk a little bit more about liquidity. Um, We're hearing some rumors locally that some local lenders are maybe having some issues with getting money to lend out. And can you maybe elaborate a little bit about what that looks like on a local perspective? Well, I'm going to relate it to Amic Home Loans and, and Supreme Lending. Amic Home Loans, which I'm no longer with because we merged with Supreme Lending, Amic Home Loans was a $2 billion corporation, and we had the largest market share in the Twin Cities. Uh, unfortunately, due to COVID and uh, our portfolio be having a mix of approximately 30% of government loans, our company ended up having to make mortgage payments for all those consumers that are going into forbearance. So due to that, we merged with Supreme Lending, which is a $10 billion corporation, and we're the, we're the 11th largest lender in the United States now uh, when it comes to mortgages. That move had to be made in order, to, in order for us to survive. Mm-hmm. So all 700 of our employees ended up merging with Supreme Lending which gives us full functionality. And uh, since we're now a direct lender, lender to Ginny May, we don't have to meet that liquidity requirement. So you've got many, many mortgage companies in the state of Minnesota right now that are, are in somewhat in trouble or will be going out of business because they're just not going to be able to meet the liquidity and hedge fund requirements. So what does that look like for a person who's just – walking off the street wanting to get a mortgage, how do they know where they should go? That is a great question. Um, There's really nothing on a website, be it on a mortgage lender, that's going to tell you that they're a direct lender to the federal government, and and hopefully you'd be able to talk to the mortgage loan originator or maybe you could do some research, but that's not really public knowledge uh, that I know of that a consumer can research. So one of the questions then should be, are you a direct lender to Jenny May, Freddie Mac, and... Um, and, and Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae. Yeah. So yep, what, what, if, what if they, they go and they say, no, we're not, or we're only a, a direct to one of them or two of them? What do you think well, about that? that? Well, I would be telling you then you're, you're restricting your access to specific products and you may end up getting a, a worse deal in the end or your deal may not even close. Uh, currently, right now, I am not locking loans with Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, J.P. Morgan, Associated Bank. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I, I don't want to take the risk for the consumer of them imposing some type of specific guideline or overlay that can't be overcome or causes an increased burden on the consumer. Uh, Just like what happened to the previous customer that was on the air, Mm -hmm. I would rather take the safe route, all right, and the safe route may, maybe the interest rate might be an eighth of a percent worse, but the difference is, is I'm going to be able to get the loan done and under the same terms that I talked to the consumer about in the beginning and not having to make multiple changes and causing chaos in their life. 
Well, Phil, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about the recipe of the week, and then we're going to finish up talking about forbearance. And uh- Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk 1071, also streaming on MyTalk1071.com. In a second, we'll remind everybody how to get a hold of our friend Phil Olson from Supreme Lending, and of course, we make sure that we can contact Mimi throughout the week. But... Speaking of throughout the week, sometimes you get a little hungry. So let's go into that heart. Uh, Kitchen is the heart of the home. Recipe of the week. Sonny, you're killing me. Just an old family recipe. Here it is. From my family to yours. yours. Time now on the Red Hot Real Estate Show for the heart of the home recipe of the week. That sounds delicious. Thank you, Sonny. I poke at you because I love you. Thank you very much. All right, Mimi, you got this recipe. You said this one goes back to back when you were in like middle school, 1989. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You were sitting there God watching your mom you. make this. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. What do you got for okay, us? Okay. So we named, this was given to me. I have no idea what, where the original source was, but it was given to me in Louisville when I lived there and they called it chicken cacciatore. Now, if you go and you Google chicken cacciatore, it's not, that. not this, <laughs> but that's what they called it. So here's what's in it it's one can of tomato sauce one can of diced or crushed tomatoes one can of tomato paste one cup of water one teaspoon of salt one quarter teaspoon of pepper two tablespoons parsley one teaspoon of basil one teaspoon of garlic one large onion one pound of chicken and olive oil so what you're going to do is you're going to brown the chicken and then mm-hmm. you're going to remove it. So you can use any kind of chicken you want, chicken breast, chicken thighs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then you pour the olive oil in there and then you put the thinly sliced onions in the pan and then you place the chicken on top of that. And then you pour all that tomato sauce and the spices on top of that. You bring it to a boil and then you reduce it down to a simmer. Mm-hmm. And you, if it's boneless chicken that you're doing, it'll cook in 20 to 25 minutes. And if it's got a bone in it, it'll take 45 minutes to an hour. But it is so yummy. That's wonderful. And easy. And, and easy. cheap. Almost as good as putting it in a, a crock pot. That's pretty good. Or a slow cooker. Yeah, that, this you. is a one-pan deal mm-hmm. and a bowl for all the right. sauce. So if you want the recipe, all you have to do is message the station. Right. Uh, keyword is red hot. Perfect. Perfect. So we were talking about um, how a number of things have changed again I feel like every time we have you on, Phil, that there are things that are changing there in the mortgage industry. We had talked about how a lot of the uh, processes had gotten more complex. And now you're talking about how not only has that happened, but a number of companies have had to go ahead and combine forces so that they can manage to uh, weather all of the scenarios that we got going on. Right, Phil? That is absolutely correct, Ms. Shannon. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Phil, you know, if we know for a fact that Americans now have more equity in their home than they than they did, almost four times more equity than they did in the down market of 2008, why are people choosing the forbearance? And and is there going to be a problem, in your opinion, of these people when they come out of the forbearance? That is my biggest fear, because I know when we were doing short sales, a lot of people would go to their banks and they would be, well, I got a modification and then I would just want to cry. I, I, I want to roll down on the floor and cry when somebody told me they'd modified because I knew then that it was going to be years before that they would qualify for another mortgage. Do you see that happening with this forbearance thing that we're going through now? 
That's a great question. I would tell you for those that have very, very large equity positions and they've been in their home for a long time, them going into a forbearance is not going to be that big of a deal uh, because they're maybe, you know, maybe they've got a 30% equity position in their home. They go into a forbearance, they'll probably end up being in a 25% equity position. For those you know, those federal government loans, those are the consumers that I'm, um, I'm, I'm, you know, not, I just don't know what that's going to look like. Here's what I'll tell you. Those programs all require very little money down. So let me give you an example. You have a veteran buys a house a year ago. They did a hundred percent financing and now they go into a forbearance for a full 12 months. And if they bought it for 200, in 12 months time, they're going to owe 200 and let's say 215,000. And if their house is at the same value, they're upside down, which then means if they have to sell their home, either they're coming to the table with money or they're ending up doing a short sale. And you can remember those times, meaning back in 08, 09 and 010. So for those that have extremely large equity positions, I think they're going to be fine. For those that don't have a lot of equity in their home, I would really question, do I need to go in a forbearance? Can I make, can I make this work without having to do that? And if the consumer can do that, I think that's a better route, Mimi. Well, so Phil, if somebody chooses to accept forbearance and they go through that whole process and then at the end of that t- uh, term, whether that's six months or three months or 12, can they refinance after they've done that? My, here's what my understanding is as far as the credit bureaus. Under the CARES Act, the lender is to report to the credit bureau as being current. So, yes, could the, from my understanding at this point in time, could the consumer, once they get back to work full time, can they refinance? Uh, I'm going to say probably yes but I haven't seen any specific guidance either coming out from the federal government, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginnie Mae. So for me to say, what is that going to look like? I really don't know, but I am being told that the credit bureaus are to report the mortgage as being current while they're in the forbearance program, which means that their credit scores should be good as long as they're paying their other debts. Um, just understand, folks, if you've got other debts, car loans, credit cards, and you don't pay them, they're going to report you to the credit bureau as being delinquent. Now, a better solution would be to contact the Visa card company or your car loan company and say, hey, I need some relief. And I do believe a lot of vendors out there are working with the consumer. But not to call and not to make the payment. More than likely, you're going to end up having derogatory history on your credit report and your credit score is going to go down. Okay. So let's just say that, um, terms change, uh, it mid midstream and somebody is taking a forbearance, but they do have equity in their house. Okay. So at the end of that period, can they do a cash out refi to make that difference up or what sort of, sort of options do they have to tap into some of this equity? As long as their credit hasn't been affected, 
I would probably tell you that they will be able to do a cash-out refinance, and they could pay back their forbearance money by using a cash-out refinance, as long as they've reestablished their employment history and they're making the same amount of money that they were making prior to COVID-19. Okay. Well, what if they aren't making the same amount of money? Or let's say that uh, they've changed employers altogether to a different type of work. I would tell you that's going to be on a case-by-case situation. Believe me, I'm going to be their advocate and do everything I can to help them, uh, drafting up letters of explanation, making things, um, making the file as clean as possible. But the consumer is still going to have to qualify based on their current income, based on their current credit, and also based on their current equity position in their home. That's not going to change. But like I said, I think we need to see further guidance as to what is going to be required um, to qualify for a home loan after COVID-19. So, Phil, you mentioned, uh, and we've only got about a minute, uh, I just want you to quickly cover what overlay is for the, the listeners. An overlay is an extended guideline that a, a lender can choose to put on top of a specific loan program or guideline, whereas I go strictly by what I call the Bible, the Mm -hmm. Fannie Mae guideline book. A bank, a credit union, a mortgage company can have their own internal guidelines, increasing credit score requirements, increasing reserves, um, not allowing a consumer with a bankruptcy. For instance, FHA is two years. They could say, well, we won't do a loan with a consumer with a bankruptcy for years. Phil, how does everybody get a hold of you real quick? I know we're going to wrap up, but I want to make sure they can find you. 651-238-6748 is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Otherwise, they can email me at phil.olson at supremelending.com. All right. And you can always reach out to us here at the station or Mimi at MN, redhotrealestate.com. That's mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot.